coming up on Money Beats Friday food fight. Stock market selling off hard for the first time in a couple of months. What is driving it? We're going to drill down into that. And also, Wells Fargo pays a $185 million fine for a sales scam. We're going to talk about that as well. This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, financial food fight. Welcome to the Food Fight, everybody, here in the studio at the Wall Street Journal in New York City. Jack Otter from Barron's, Stephen Grosser from Moneybeat, and uh, myself, Paul, from Moneybeat as well. And our dear friend uh, Chuck Jaffe from MarketWatch on the phone, but not from Boston as he usually is, calling in from Chicago. Chuck, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I've been at the Morningstar ETF Invest Conference out here. Oh, I'm sure that uh, is very fascinating. I'm sure it's very interesting. But uh, well, look, we got something to talk about, folks, because as we tape this, here we here in the studio here in New York City, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down about 300 points, S&P 500 down about 40 points. Uh, we have had these markets that for two months have looked like they have just been absolutely sleepwalking. They've woken up today. And they fell out of bed. And they fell right out of bed and hit their or head I think hard I, on the I think floor. The, it was more the Fed pushed them out of bed. <laughs> well, right. That's the thing, right? right? Did they fall or were they pushed out? I mean, you know, and, and that's really what's kind of driven this. It, it seems like it's come from out of, out of nowhere because of the, the rapid move in the market. You know, this is the first time in more than two months that you've had a 1% drop. But the Federal Reserve has been making a lot of noise for weeks now about what they want to do, and it seems like the markets are finally catching on to this fact. Which is kind of weird, because they've actually been talking about this for like five years. And, you right. know, uh, but anyway, yeah. But, but that's also precisely the point why the markets have been slow to sort of catch on, is they've been saying this over and over again and not acting. And right. so the, you know, the markets rightly have come to sort of discount all the sort of talking that the Fed, all the jawboning the Fed uh, does. Right. It, well, and what that means is that if we wind up with a couple of days like this, and that this not only, you know, that, that assumes that this holds and presumably gets worse, if we wind up with a couple of days like this, after everything the Fed has done to try to avoid this, it basically should be telling the Fed, you know what, guys, stop trying to avoid this kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Ben Levison, who writes about stocks for Barron's, and he thought that it is a combination of the Fed and what's happening globally, where the Japanese are saying, hey, you know what, maybe this negative interest rate thing isn't the best idea in the world. So you could see, I can't even use the word tightening, but you could see a global hand maybe letting a little less money through the spigot. And it comes yeah. a day after the ECB. You're generally well, disappointed. Too. Right. Well, well, that's it's it. The, it's, 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 it's the support of the central banks right. around the world. Exactly. Right. And, and and for the Bank of Japan, the big story we have today about the Bank of Japan is that they are facing a very real situation where their stimulus program is so large that they might actually run out of government debt to buy. <laughs> that the government issues, you know, X amount of debt, uh, the banks get it, and then they sell it to the Bank of Japan. They might, within a year and a half, or they might actually run out of debt. So it's you're starting, what you're kind of seeing is you know, maybe the limits of central bank power. And I think that is starting to get people's attention for the first time in a very long time. But central bankers, we all know, they've said it for the longest time. We are not all powerful. We are not. They, they may not act like it, but they do say it. No one ever listens to them. So the Greenspan put is finally coming to an end. Well, <laughs> you know, 
I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'd be prepared to ever say that it's actually coming to an end. But I mean, it's it's being questioned a little bit. Right. Maybe that's the yeah, way to look I, at it. It's a much better way to say it. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing, and to show you how kind of wacky the markets are getting, the interesting thing is this is this speech that got put on the docket from uh, Lael Brainerd, who is a Fed governor, uh, speaking. She's speaking on Monday. The market only found out about this yesterday afternoon. Although. She the, the, she was booked a week before that, and it just appeared yesterday afternoon right. on the calendar. Right, but it was not on, it was not on anybody's radar. It wasn't right, on right, our. It wasn't right. on the Wall Street Journal economic calendar. It wasn't on anybody's calendar that she'd be speaking on Monday. The market finds this out, and they just they they have a conniption. What does this mean? Why is she speaking? She was a dove. Is she going to come out hawkish? This is the last day before the blackout, before the meeting on September 20, 21st. Well, you know, th- th- this is how sort of wound up the markets have gotten about the Fed and what they do, that a speech gets added and the market just throws a, a collective fit over it. Well, I mean, I think the reality is, like, if you look at the last, what, 48 days that we've gone, our trading sessions have gone without a move of 1% in either direction. I mean, the reason for that was simply the Fed. I mean, the markets believed right. the Fed was not going to act, that it was going, you know, in September, might not act in December, um, and was going, you know, and, and basically from that point on, they, <laughs> the traders took the summer off. Yeah. Yeah. Which an interesting point uh, behind today's, uh, you know, moderate sell off uh, by historical standards uh, right. is a lot of volume, uh, which suggests there's a little bit of conviction in these sales. Yeah. And, and still, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. As Chuck said, you know, the markets have been, you know, th- this is not a huge move. The market has probably been overdue for something like this. And, and if you look at the expectations for Fed hikes this year, they're still relatively low. And you're still talking about not a lot of action on the part of the central bank, right? And also remember, if you look back to what, February 10th, 11th, 12th, whenever the low was and where we are now, yeah. I think, the, you know, b- before today, the market was up, what, was 6.7. I think the S&P was up 6.7% for the year. And I don't think back in February and January, anyone was really expecting that or too many people were expecting that. Right. Well, right. let's get back to that volume idea, you know, that the volume says that maybe there's some conviction here. Let's at least have as much conviction as technical analysts, which is not much conviction, and say that we won't judge anything on today. We'll wait until we see a follow-up day. Yeah. Like right. for those folks who are expecting, you know, hey, the market's overdue for some sort of downturn or whatever, and this is it. No, you don't judge it on the first day. You judge it when you say, hey, there was follow-up. And, you know, follow-up, well, that's something that we're going to see whether it happens on Monday or whatever. Right. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And And still, you know, People who have been betting – it's funny. They say don't fight the Fed. You know, like people who have been betting against the Fed saying that they're going to raise rates, you've been doing pretty good on that bet for yeah, a while. For sure. Uh, right. un- until the Fed actually goes ahead and pulls that trigger, you are going to have people that will doubt whether they have the, the gumption to do it. The interesting thing is that if you consider what happens in the market and how you know bull markets typically end when people are euphoric, the truth is – that that you're going to wind up seeing that any sort of increase by the Fed injects more worry, and Wall Street typically climbs a wall of worry. So while you'll see a downturn as things react initially, I actually think that ultimately, you know, rate cuts are not going to stop be what stops this bull market. They may put a breather into it. You might even get to the point where you see correction or what have you. But for the most part, I think, you know, realistically – 
it's not stopping now. This is, if anything, sort of that classic short-term buying opportunity. Yeah, I think you mean a rate hike, not a cut, right? Yes, I'm sorry, a rate hike. Yeah. You know, I think the the other interesting question, though, is, and we could spend an hour on this, but we won't, but the interesting question is, is the, the is this the time to, to to raise interest rates? I mean, the Fed keeps saying we think the data looks okay and we think it's appropriate. To, you know, they're they're a little vague about the timing and how much, but they are absolutely giving the message that the economy can absorb higher interest rates. I don't know if that is really the case. Yeah, this battle rages, um, and and. What what always interests me is you've got the conspiracy theorists on. I love to hate conspiracy theorists, but on both sides, right? You know, so Yellen is in Obama's pocket. Well, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Oh, that's a whole nother. Yeah. Right, right. So, so, but you've got very smart people. David Kelly, J.P. Morgan is mm-hmm. is angry in his Irish way that this hasn't <laughs> happened long ago, and he says right. raising rates will actually help the economy. While Jeffrey Gundlach says there is absolutely no reason to raise rates uh, by any of the Fed's actual criteria, and we're this close to a recession. For those right. uh, listening to this podcast, my fingers are close together. Um, so- so there's good cases to be made on both sides. Does anybody think that the Fed has the stones, has the temerity <laughs> to raise rates before the election? No, that's the other thing. I think that's a very good point. I mean, it would seem very – given the data, which does support – you know, I mean, can go either way, but also throwing the election, it seems like they really – I mean, it would seem amazing if they did it. I'd love right. to see it just to see the faces on all the people who say they'll never do it, but I, I'm – For that reason yeah, alone. Yeah. Uh, but they again – win back some of my respect, and I don't have a lot for them. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people weren't expecting them to, you know, taper back in December. Um, not this December, but, uh, you know, two, what was it, two Decembers ago now? Because, like, yeah, because yeah. you know, Bernanke was leaving. He wasn't going to start, you know, tapering, you know, um, or leave Janet Yellen with the, the Oh, you're of, talking about back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and they did it. And I think they right. sort of surprised the market with doing it. So, like, maybe they'll do that again. But I just seem – it just seems to me the data – Recently has been weak. We pointed that out right. Um, right. many times on the blog. You have an election coming up. Yeah. I mean, it would just seem very odd. Yeah. Well, look, uh, that's what makes us all so darned interesting, and we will find out. And their history of not raising. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a little break here. There's a good place to take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this message. Hey, this is Stephen Perlberg from the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Are you interested in the biggest changes in the media and advertising business from Facebook to Snapchat? Tune into the WSJ Media Mix podcast for interviews with some of the biggest names in media, from Gawker CEO Nick Denton to Turner President David Levy. For more, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beats. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, Financial Food Fight. Welcome back to the Food Fight. Jack, Chuck, Stephen, and Paul here with you. Uh, and as always, folks, I just want to you know, give you a little reminder out there that we have a lot of great podcasts here at the Wall Street Journal that you can listen to. You can find us at wsj.com slash podcasts. We have Your Money Matters. We have the Free For All. Of course, Money Beat, but you already subscribed to Money Beat. I don't have to tell you about Money Beat. Speakeasy, Heard on the Street, WSJ Opinion, What's News, the Tech News Briefing, everything you need. We've got you completely covered out there. You can follow us at WSJ Podcasts, and you can become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and we are on your Google Play Music app on your Android devices. Uh, Gentlemen, so you you pull up the Wall Street Journal today and you look at page A1, the story at the top of A1, Wells Fargo fined for sales scam. 
this is even within the world of banking over the last decade in which we've seen a lot of pretty incredible things this is a pretty incredible story i mean apparently more than 5000 employees at wells fargo were involved in in what to me looks like a pretty systematic scam a systemic scam where they were signing people up for credit cards without telling people that they were signing them up for these credit cards they agree to pay a 185 million dollar fine they neither admit nor deny the allegations they just pay the fine and they walk away but i mean th- this is a pretty nutty story so first of all elizabeth warren is standing there saying I told you so. <laughs> right. Uh, this is like an ad for the Consumer Financial Protection Board that, that she championed. Because um, it's really, it's one of those things like, you know, we, we, I assume that your reaction was similar to mine. Like, no, you're kidding. This didn't really right. happen. Yeah. You know, but, but the, the Bernie Sanders, the Michael Moores, the Elizabeth Warren, this is what they're talking right. about. And so it's like, well, guys, you know, if you don't like regulation, then don't do this. Uh, I, I said in the newsroom, I, you know, I was like, Five people can't keep a secret. A conspiracy involving 5,333. And a colleague of mine said, this is not a conspiracy. This is company policy. Like when that many people do it, you know, it's what the company is And that's a very big question, too, right? I mean, so Wells Wells says we have fired the people that were involved in it, which totaled 5,300 people. They didn't say exactly how high up the totem pole that went. But but that is a big question. How high up the totem pole did this go? Was this company policy? Did senior executives know about these programs? And uh, you know, I also, w- why were they doing this? What was the actual benefit to them? Well, that's a crucial point, and clearly the incentives were misaligned. And we come yeah. to this over and over and over again in the financial industry. Jack Bogle's been saying it for what thirty five years. Uh, when when incentives reward people for doing bad stuff, guess what? Some of them are going to do bad stuff. It's not even a reflection on them. It's human nature. Yeah. You know, eventually well, they're going to do bad stuff. And there's a legit question whether or not these folks thought they were doing bad stuff. You know, oh, I'm giving you access to credit. I'm doing whatever. I think the other lesson to be learned here is that, you know, there was already restitution made separate from this, but it averaged $25 a customer. So we, it's not like we're looking at this going, people lost thousands of dollars. But we are looking at this going... This is what bank fees add up to. And I, you know, you, you've got this situation where you're looking at you know, little fees here and there, but the truth is you see it all over the banking industry where it's, you know, hey, we've got fees for you to talk to a real person when you have a question or you know, to, to actually walk into a branch because you, you have an electronic account or any of these other sorts of things. And you know, just the standard ATM fees. And people don't recognize that you know, okay, it's a buck here and it's a buck there. It's real money. And when you talk about it being systemic, the truth is banks are set up to capture the bulk of their money in fees because they can no longer capture it in interest rates. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a great point. And, and something grosser that you had mentioned earlier, too, is, is, you know, Wells Fargo was one of the banks with, with the good reputation. Yeah, no, I mean, Warren Buffett's. You know, it's largest investor. Right. Um, it has the stagecoach. It does not have a big Wall Street business. Right. right. Um, you know, it is the, the you know it's the biggest lender for mortgages in yeah. the country. I mean, it's you know pretty. It's yeah, a pretty I mean, boring, a, dry bank. I, I have a, a cousin that works there. Obviously, not in this department because he did not get fired. He's, he's in commercial lending. But I mean, for years and years, he's been very proud of the fact that Wells Fargo has a, a different reputation than other gigantic banks, and and pretty good financials. You go back over the long term, yeah. that this bank has right. done very well. That's why yeah. Warren Buffett owns it. Yeah. So you wonder, you know. 
what does this do again to the the overall reputation of banks when even a bank like Wells Fargo is now on the front page of the Wall Street Journal for a fine this big? And the, 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 the other thing that just, I have to say this, just astounds me is how was this not a criminal action? Well, I mean, how the, is nobody I mean, charged the, the criminally thing, for the this? The thing that part of it, I was going to, you know, sort of mention this earlier. One of the things I found really surprising, it's not just the issuing of, you know, cre- you know credit cards yeah. and debit cards, people are knowing. It's also they were transferring funds from your authorized account into these non-authorized accounts. Without you knowing it. Exactly. And that's where you're sort of like, how is that not criminal? How is that, <laughs> how, how is that not criminal? Well, I do it's not-, not criminal because of who brought the charges, and they don't have the power to bring criminal right. charges. Right. But the question is whether or not criminal charges ultimately will be brought. And yeah. the logical answer there is they should be, but they probably won't be. And the other thing, too, is if you think about the fine of $185 million, uh, million dollars, it's not that much. Not to Wells Fargo. Not to Wells right. Fargo. Yeah, or, or in the list of fines that we've seen by banks. Right. I mean, you know, what J.P. Morgan was around $20 billion. Yeah. Um, you know, you keep going down the list. I mean, they, you know, uh, the abacus of uh, Goldman Sachs was $500 million. Right. Well, take it out of dollar terms. Put it into, ter- you know, conditions of, like, how much is the bank earning or what have you. And this is less than 1%. So, you know, in terms of, in terms of what they're really suffering. At some point, if, you know, CFPB is going to have teeth and you truly are going to not police this but stop this, it has to be something where it's not like, oh, we'll pay treble damages because the damages themselves are small or what have you. It's going to be, you know, this happens on your watch. You commit this kind of act and the CFPB comes and gets you. You lose 5% or you lose 10%. And, you know, of your gross revenues or something along those lines, that's how we're going to set it. If you got it to that level, then it would be something that makes, you know, a pretty significant difference. Yeah. Yeah. And all, the other question, too, is, you know, does it how much is this going to have a lasting, I think, reputational impact on the industry and, and especially Wells Fargo? And my suspicion is none. I mean, it's not just, at all. You, we've seen right. this. Maybe it's cynical, but we, we've seen, you know, banks do this over and over. Not this particular thing, right, but, right, right. you know. Well, and the banks that have suffered reputationally. The, the crimes, if you will, were bigger in terms of you have more horror stories. What you don't have here, what you have here is a horrific scenario, but you don't have a horror story. There is no one who's going to be the face of this who says, they signed me up for 22 extra accounts and I lost $48,000 and it was my life savings. That doesn't exist. Yeah. This is not like mortgage fraud and some of the other things. So this is going to be faceless. And it's not a big deal in the victim side. I mean, nobody who got who's getting a settlement is going, wow, I can go out and buy three pizzas with this. You're, you're not <laughs> getting to the level of three on, on this. One, maybe two, probably, but you're not yeah. getting the three pizzas. So it's not going to have that kind of legs long term. The question is, you know, is $180 million set to an industry leader, $185 million to an industry leader enough so that everybody else goes, you know, clean this stuff up. Right, right. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening, as always. And, and you know, also here in New York, especially, we are aware that this weekend is the 15th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. And as always, that will be, you know, that will be heavy on our hearts and in our minds this weekend. And we hope you all have a 
very good weekend, and we hope we all get through it, and we hope to see you next week or hear for you next week. So have a good weekend, everyone, and we'll catch up with you on the other side. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.